podcast where we journey through the weekly Torah portion and glean parenting insights along the way. Personally, I've been on this parenting journey for the past 25 years, well, in truth, most of my life, and I'm just on a quest to learn all I can about being the best parent I can be to my physical children, my own inner child, as well as my spiritual children, using God as the perfect template. It is my heart that my hindsight can become your insight. So let's open the por- the Bible and learn together. Um, I apologize in advance to my listeners this week. Uh, we have a, a bout of croup going through the house, and um, my youngest is in a really good place this morning. So yay, but as you can hear, my voice is a little congested, so I hope it's not too distracting. Um... Speaking of those who teach, this week's episode is being broadcast in loving memory of my dear friend Lori Johnson, who passed away on Sunday, November 21st, 2022, after a long battle with lung cancer. And she was a teacher and had a myriad of spiritual children. She was known to adopt select students, the ones that wanted her, (laughs) as her emotional and spiritual children, and then pass along all of her wisdom that she acquired to those people. She was no ordinary teacher. She was inspiring, and she would always challenge my biases, which I loved. She taught me to disagree with people with respect and carefully, and place carefully loaded questions <laughs> into the conversation. She also taught me to check my sources, and she never settled for less than my best. I'm happy to inform you that she was one of the few people who created an instantaneous bond with my youngest child within minutes of meeting him. Many folks were too busy judging me for being such an old mom or advanced maternal age and already having so many children, but as my husband always says, we have room enough in our hearts for a hundred more, just maybe not in our wallet. So, Lori, you'll be very missed. And may Hashem comfort her husband, David, as well as her other friends and family and students among those who mourn in Zion. This week we're studying Parsha Toldot. It's Genesis chapter 25, verses 19, sorry, Genesis chapter 25, verse 19 through Genesis 28, 9. Toldot tells us about a set of twins born to Rebecca and Isaac. Um, And God has something to say while she's still pregnant about the babies, and he tells her that one one nation will be mightier, but the older will serve the younger. So, I have questions already. We haven't even got through the first chapter of this week's Parsha, and I have questions. First of all, considering the amount of time Isaac spent studying in the yeshiva of Shem and praying, like, right, like the end of last week's Parsha, we see him out in the field praying, I'm 100% surprised by Rebecca's actions. Um, Also, if you consider her character, I mean, she's one of the kindest human beings on the planet, right? She just watered 10 camels for no reason, you know, and passed this test of kindness. So I am a little surprised that... um, I'm just a little surprised at her actions. Three verses into this week's Parsha, we see Isaac pleading with Hashem, and he answers by not, by giving them not one, but two children. So why doesn't she take Hashem's words that she heard and speak to Isaac about it? Maybe they could have prayed together about it or asked for wisdom. So 
Also, the Torah goes out of its way to describe the major differences between Esau and Jacob, and there are not very many similarities. Esau is a hunter, he's a coarse and hairy man, and Jacob really has all the markings of a scholar. So, um, one could say that Jacob is a trickster, but Esau is obviously not a very patient man either, since he trades in his birthright for a cup of stew. Now, to the modern American reader, this choice of Esau's, uh, the choice of language here seems a little strange. Um, what's he referring to, right? Like the birthright. In my family, a lot of um, assets, when someone passes away, are divided equally among the siblings of, or the next of kin. So to be honest, that is what I assumed the birthright was for the longest time, that Jacob wanted Esau to sell him half the farm, as they say, where I come from. Well, Rashi, a medieval commentator from France, says that prior to this pivotal story in the Torah, all of the spiritual traditions and sacrificial obligations were passed down from generation to generation through the firstborn son from Noah all the way up to Isaac. So Jacob isn't asking for Esau's wealth or the herds, not even the slaves. He's asking for the spiritual inheritance of the traditions of service to Hashem. And Esau doesn't want it, so he gladly passes it over and says that he despised his birthright. But that's only half the gift. The second half of the gift is then the spiritual and prophetic blessing that the father bestows upon the, the firstborn, or in this case it'll be the, the youngest, on his deathbed, which is the main plot of the final scenes of this week's Parsha. Speaking of blessings, my husband um, has a tradition of blessing the children um, on Shabbat. And when we read this Parsha, I don't know, maybe the third time through it, um, our oldest is, our oldest daughter was still living at home, so it was quite a while ago. Um, he was like, why do we bless our girls like Rebecca and Leah and Rachel? I mean, Rebecca is, <laughs> he's like, Rebecca's kind of manipulative. I don't know if I want my daughter to turn out like that. <laughs> so, anyway... I think that our understanding of Rebecca's character has grown considerably since then. So, um, okay, my ki my kids love doing what we call a one-minute debate. So I'm going to tell you the rules, and then I'm going to ask you, I mean, my listeners, to kind of weigh in in the comments later about your thoughts about this. So basically, we, in the one-minute debate, we set up, I set up the argument, like, what do you think? And then they get a, they get five minutes to prepare a 30-second argument about why they chose the side that they did. And then I hear both arguments, um, me and my youngest and my husband usually do. And then we vote on who we agree with. Um, and it's a really great way to teach the kids to disagree respectfully. So, okay, so here we go. Um, here, What do you think? Was, was this whole scene about... Um, about Rebecca hearing the word of God. Um, do you think this favoritism scene in this week's Parsha, is this Rebecca's fault? Is it Hashem's fault? Is this Jacob's fault? Or is this? Or can we blame this on Isaac for having a favorite? Um, so I'll give you a few things to chew on while you prepare your argument. Uh, the blessing in Genesis 25, 23 is very ambiguous if you read it in the Hebrew. Um, so let me read it to you and I'll, uh, in the English. It says, Two nations are in your womb. Two separate peoples shall issue from your body. 
One people shall be mightier than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. But the word in that last phrase is rav, and it could actually mean the more numerous, or the greater, or the mightier. It doesn't necessarily mean the older one. Um, so it could also mean the the bigger, like when the taller boy will serve the, the smaller. I don't know. So the commentary teaches us that the bottom line is that these two people will have seasons where one is leading and the other one will work in service of the one who's leading and back and forth, but they will never be leading at the same time, the two of them. So if I could go back in time, I would actually like to go back and have a cup of coffee with Rebecca and ask her if she could have just taught them to share fairly. So I don't have any twins, um, but when my older boys were were four and two, they fought like they were twins. <laughs> it was like raising two firstborns. Um, and so this the technique that I, I that I used was actually inspired by God. The psalmist tells us that he gives that God gives us the desires of our hearts so that God can satisfy them in due time, as we delight ourselves in God. Which brings us full circle full circle to God's main point in the Torah, which is that Rebecca and Isaac desired to have children, and Isaac cried out, and God answered them. So God is saying, hey, by God by God's own choices, He's saying, hey, what you desire is not wrong. Wanting something is not wrong. Wanting to have your way is not wrong. Therefore, it's not wrong for my children to want something either. What goes wrong is when we take a stance of only one of us can get our way, you know, or only one person can win. There's always got to be a loser. And I don't agree with that. I think that um, as adults, we learn to take turns. Sometimes my husband gets his way and sometimes I get my way. Um, I mean, we don't always watch what he wants to watch on TV, right? It, we don't always go to the same restaurants that he always likes to eat, but we also don't always eat Mexican, which is what I love. So um, we take turns with who gets their way, and we compromise. And uh, and I, by compromise, I guess I don't really mean compromise. It's not that we're both not getting our way. Anyway, so we set up a system of line leaders where um, certain days of the week, one of my boys is in charge. And what that basically means is if there's a disagreement about what we're going to do next, the line leader gets kind of like an extra half a percent vote. So, but since everybody gets a turn throughout the week to be the line leader, um, line leader used when I ran the daycare also used to be the person in charge of making everybody, for sure everybody lined up to go outside and things like that. So like they would be the first in line at the door and the first to get snack. And there's a whole lot more responsibilities and perks to line leader, but it's come to mean line leader basically gets the veto power with, especially with what's on the television. So anyway, but, um, Oh, line leader also gets the option to sit in the front seat now that they're bigger boys and they're legally allowed to sit up front. So <laughs> anyway, has a lot of perks. But uh, my question for Rebecca is, like, why don't you just set up a system of line leaders and give each of them a chance to practice their leadership skills under your tutelage? Um, it, we talk. I talk a lot with my boys about, yes, you can have your way when you're the line leader, but you are also leading other people and... If it's only fun for you, is it actually that fun? You know, um, we even as leaders, we have to consider how our choices are affecting the people we're leading. So, I don't see how children can learn good leadership skills if they don't 
get a chance to pra- to practice those with real people. Um, so this is something, and again, this is all I felt like was inspired by God and his, his, her, you know, God's ability to look at the desires of my heart and say, hey, it's not wrong to want what you want. What's wrong is the way you're going about getting it. So even attention, uh, you know, attention gets a bad rap, at least in my family. Um, people that want a lot of attention are usually considered really needy in my family of origin. And I just, I think children need attention. I don't, I just, I'm not sure maybe your family is, is that way too, but children need attention. It's, you know, they need attention. They need food. They need rest. They need stability and routine, and they need a roof over their head and clothing. You know, I think they're all equal needs. And, um, my job is to teach my children to get their needs met in appropriate ways. So the other parenting touch point I wanted to touch on this week is that now that um, no two children are the same, and you would you would be hard pressed to teach a man like Esau in the same way that you're teaching a man like Jacob, or a gentle a really gentle soul like Isaac. Do you see my point? So even children from the same parents have very different temperaments that need to be accounted for. So this is really I know I put a lot of plugs in for. excuse me, for human design, but um, this is why I'm so fascinated with human design, because it's the science of differentiation, and it really shows us, um, the the birth chart really shows us the soul curriculum of the child, and where their potential strengths and their potential weaknesses are. Um, I'm I'm working on a resource at the moment that will help parents to clean up their, help me to clean up my communication with my children. So it's kind of a workbook to help, um, like to fine tune my communication approach with the child based on their human design and then helping them to understand my human design. Cause it's a two way street. Relationships are two way streets. So anyway, if you haven't done, um, a birth chart on your children yet, I really highly recommend it. I'll have a link in the show notes for you. Um, I highly recommend it. You, I have learned so many valuable insights about my children and how to approach them because no two, no two children are the same. Even twins are born several minutes apart and have slightly different charts, uh, as we can see in this week's Parsha. So, um, okay, so back to my one-minute debate. Let me review. The debate is um, based on God's proclamation that there are two nations in her womb who do you think is more to blame for the conflict between Jacob and Esau is it Jacob's fault for being a trickster Rebecca's for being manipulative or Isaac for picking a favorite in the first place so I'll give you five minutes (laughs) to prepare your debate and then I'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments below all right that's it for this week I hope you could hear me through all of the Uh, congestion in my voice. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, shalom and may the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob bless you abundantly with compassion and understanding and wisdom and grace. Shalom.